We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. It hasn't been too long since our last show. If you guys haven't checked that one out, make sure you guys go back and listen. We covered all three combat sports in that one. It was great. Since we went so heavy with all three combat sports, on the Monday show, we figured we'd record and add more of a hip-hop flair to today's show. So we're getting plenty of stuff from the hip-hop realm and a little bit from Twitter to talk about to open this show. But the last segment, we're still going to hit you guys off by talking boxing and UFC. So don't worry, there'll still be a nice combat sports section towards the end. But it's all right to get in our bag, you know, have a little bit of fun. The last couple shows were heavy, weighed on us. So it's nice to show up, Dre, and talk hip-hop. I know you're still completely immersed in the culture, writing for LL Cool J's um, website. Shout out, make sure you guys check out Dre on there and his articles. So it's cool to really dive into this. And I figured we start in something that's kind of really close to us because we are a podcast. We've been a podcast for five and a half years now. And Joe Budden recently opened up on his shows. And it's been kind of the talk of Twitter that he's leaving Spotify and he's not leaving it quietly. 
Yeah. So, full transparency. Uh, Joe Button's manager is Ian Schwartzman. Ian Schwartzman, the guy, is the guy who got me the gig, for those who don't know, of running DJ Premier's blog for the last seven years now. Um, so, I've been in tune with everything that's been going on with Joe and Premier and everything like that. So, this was no big surprise to me, but uh, Joe unleashing the way he did... Uh, not shocking. Uh, it's the value of black people. It's crazy. I don't know if anybody, everybody's watched this episode of the Joe Budden podcast. I'm not a regular listener. I just don't have enough bandwidth to keep up with all this shit. But this episode is clearly a must listen because he really, without, without dive, I mean, he dives pretty deep. But without really saying it, it's, he's kind of like talking about his value. Yeah, I guess he does say that too. But it's just very heavy on the, uh, they didn't really give a shit about us. Right, like when he talks about the plaques versus the Ro- and the Rolexes versus getting a bonus or taking vacation days or yeah. bringing in Amy Schumer or bringing in uh, Bill Simmons, uh, Gimlet. Like, there's so many things there that Joe Budden and Rory and and Maul managed to still remain the number one podcast when faced with adversity from all these other pl- people that were getting paid to come in to be number one, and the Joe Budden podcast remained number one. And now it's to the point where why stay with Spotify? What's the point? They're not going to give them any bonuses. They got a much bigger reach than Spotify ever asked for. Uh, in some ways, Joe Budden really busted the doors open for podcasting and hip-hop. Yep. So, it's a must-listen, man. It's crazy. Joe's second career is one of the most fascinating things. I mean, there's nothing more fascinating than Snoop Dogg's second life. But uh, <laughs> well, Joe's comes pretty close. Yeah, what? Ice Cube's close. Cube is close too, yeah. From fuck the police to uh, uh, are we there yet? It's pretty yeah. spectacular. But Snoop going from murder was the case to um, hanging out with Martha Stewart is pretty nuts as well. So Joe's probably third. Uh, the mood music guy, the miserable rapper, troubled, got punched in the face at a Rock the Bells event. Now we don't he's mention like, that. We don't mention that. Who's we? We as in Joe Budden fans. Oh Jesus Christ! That has never happened. Um, but I've seen Joe along the way, uh, met him a few times while at BT. Uh, obviously I know Royce, so I've known a lot about Joe to see what this man has become in podcasting. is pretty spectacular. When he retired from rap, none of us really believed it, but, uh, yeah, he doesn't need to rap ever again. No, that's true. I mean, he found an outlet to still get all of his opinions out without having to do so as a rapper. Uh, I always say... I think it had to be like 2014. It was when it was still Skip Bayless, but Stephen A. Smith was on there um, by this time as well on First Take. And they started bringing in rappers like every other week. So Lil Wayne was on there all the time, but they brought in Jader once and they brought in Joe Budden twice. He dressed up like, you know, with the suit and he was all weirdo, awkward Joe on there. But that span, that embrace debate type of show and how it's run showed him so much to start this podcast like if you look at how they run their podcast how uh, the dynamic is how it's marketed it's like a sports radio show mixed with an ESPN television type show so you know he saw that hey there's guys like you know I forgot who was on air at that time other guests that were there but he was like these are ex-NFL players here to lend their expertise to a field that's embraced debate 
So all he is is the ex-rapper lending his expertise to the field. He's doing what sports people have done for decades, but no rapper really thought or knew how to transition to that. Maybe Bow Wow hosting 106 in Park was as close as you get to like that, oh, I'm a rapper, but now I'm a host transitioning. So Joe took that, ran the podcast platform, and like you said, he, he kicked in the door kind of to a different degree. Because, you know, Combat Jack, everyone else, they, there was podcasts for hip-hop. But a lot of them, they were interview-based before Joe. He brought the em- embrace debate. He brought the I'm the talent. I don't need to get a guest on my show every week. People will tune in just to hear me talk my shit. So... Yeah. I don't, it, it, it's it's great they're worth they know they're worth that's something that came out of you know this whole thing is like yo we know our worth and when you don't lend us anything that we can't go and get ourselves we're out which is the case in a lot of podcasting yeah yeah I mean you know the thing about Joe is uh, with him Rory and Maul is it's exactly what you said like this whole embrace debate culture because obviously like Dory and everybody else's podcast but these guys just sit here and talk shit. And That's it's it. it's the real fascinating thing for, for people who live outside of New York. Like, there is truly a New York bubble. And I'm not saying this to take anything away from what Joe has accomplished or what Joe has done. But if you have that New York, New Jersey on lock, you're going to be okay. And it's going to spread beyond that. And what Joe has had is, like, that, commu- that, that city on lock. You know, and people valued his opinion... Whether you liked him or not, he was always intriguing. And then on top of all that, I mean, he, he kind of diversified his portfolio. And much credit must go to Complex for fucking this up because they built a monster. <laughs> <laughs> this is really like their fault. They built a monster with academics and Joe Button. And they put him on a damn show. Joe figured out his worth and dipped. And academics kind of done the same. But they gave him a platform to talk their shit. And Joe just took off so the podcasting game has completely changed it's kind of saturated these days um it's very niche depending on what you listen to uh you know we for us you know our podcast is really a different perspective our audience is very niche we'll never be as big as joe button because i don't know too many black people who love the shit that we like so (laughs) you know it is what it is but Credit to Joe, uh, but it's really understanding your value and not being taken advantage of. And it's something that I'm still trying to learn to this day. It's a very difficult thing to really put a price on what you're worth, especially when you enjoy doing what you do. Definitely. Um, I mean, that's why, you know, I'm probably maybe in the next like year going to get a manager. But I've never felt the need like as much as I flex on this here podcast and uh, I try to flex for you as well. But I've never felt the need to have a manager. But I feel like in the next year, I just want to know what that's like. Yeah, I don't. I'm good. Yeah. I, have, I, have, I have no interest. I don't need a manager. No interest. Zero. I, I feel like they might add something. What? They're going to take some of my money. Here's, here's the thing. The only it's reason... They like, make me money. They can take some of it. It, it depends. Like, for, for Joe, Ian is a guy who, like I said, with Joe and with Premier... Like, he's on the rap side of things, and he's also transitioned with Joe into podcasting. There's no value really in having a manager in podcasting unless you're making a lot of money and there's a lot of opportunities. An agent is probably more of what you're talking about than a manager. Aha, there you go now. Like, and, an and agent that's, it is then. 
Yeah, and you'll have to go to a CAA or you'll have to go in. A, I mean, it's shopping for like I've been told I need to get an agent, but this shit is difficult, man, because you got to find somebody that knows your worth better than you do and can advocate for you. And if they cannot do that, then what's the point? There are agents that are basically dead weight. They do absolutely nothing. They say they're agents. They count you among their clients, but if they're not actively working for you, it's, no, it's nothing. It's no big deal. So manager, I don't think so. Agent, maybe. But All right, again, agent it is. You've swayed me. The only reason why you need it is if you feel like you're leaving money on the floor. And if you can handle business yourself, handle it yourself because you don't need anybody taking 15% of what you're doing. That's fair. I mean, again, your wife's a lawyer, so you you probably do this better than I do. I'm come over to your house. How about that? No, <laughs> no need for an agent. Cut you an extra check. Uh, <laughs> no, but really, like you look at like podcasting specific, right? Because I mean, I have several jobs. You have a million jobs, and when you start diversifying your portfolio and dipping into this and that and you, you do so many different things you start to see how different industries work and then being in podcasting so long you, you see how podcasting which is relatively new the wave that it's going on because you've seen this in other industries so now that we see kind of where podcasting is going Spotify is a, a great example of this or a horrible example however you look at it is they're not looking to grow with podcast. They're not necessarily looking at the quality of a show or a podcast. They just want the biggest name. Yeah. We've seen this in and out of hip hop. Like, Nicki Minaj has a podcast. She does? But yeah, she breaks random beef news on it like once every three months. Oh, I could care less. It's like the Barbie report or something stupid. But we see, like, if you're a rapper and you don't got nothing else to do, they're just like, yo, start a podcast and get your other rapper friends on there to talk shit with you. And maybe you'll pick up a Bossip headline. And that's that's the goal of it. I mean, in sports, we just see a bunch of retired athletes. They're just like, yo, have a podcast. And it's just like, yeah, but there's more to it than that. There, There's something to be said about the people who are grassroots podcasters, people who went to school, understand the mechanics of hosting a show and have communications backgrounds and so on and so forth. I think that's really getting lost and really getting diluted. It made me think this week, perfect comparison is that Bella Thorne chick or whatever joining OnlyFans and she crushed the algorithm. So she made a million dollars in a day. Just because she was on Disney and people want to see, like, side boob. She's not even showing anything. And then she fucked up the metrics and payouts for women actually busting it open on the daily. That's kind of what we see in podcasting, where you see, like, I forgot who you just mentioned, but Spotify gave someone the bag. Oh, I mean, they gave... Amy Schumer got the bag. Like, for what? I don't even like her movies. Somebody else does. I don't know. I think that's debatable. I don't know who her target audience is, but I haven't found them yet. She's just not funny. Her and Tiffany Haddish aren't funny. But I digress. They gave her the bag to have a podcast. But it's like, yo, she's never had a podcast. So what is she going to talk about? Nothing. She's going to invite a bunch of comedians on and make somewhat funny jokes. Yeah. I mean... So... (laughs) 
I mean, never, really, it's it's really tapping into somebody else's audience. Like that's what Spotify is pretty much doing. Spotify is not in the business of investing in an individual and creating a new talent. They're interested in leeching off of somebody else's audience and amplifying that to their audience to make money. That is, that's the whole exclusive deal that they were doing. The problem with that is when you have somebody like Joe Budden and you don't understand his audience, you don't understand how they work, it's kind of similar to Jesus Amaro. Like if you don't understand who they are marketing to and their demographic or the, like how the brand is strong, if you don't comprehend that, you fail. And when you start reaching out and trying to, I mean, you see this in a lot of shit. Like if you try to value names over talent, over, over content, it works for a little bit. It sounds good on paper. If you go into a room, you go, oh, well, we got this this person, this person, this person, this person. And you go, oh, I know all those names. And then you turn on the show and it's fucking whack. Doesn't matter. Like, it gets you through the door for maybe an episode or two. But then once people realize, like, yo, Amy ain't talking about shit. Or such and such is just a really bad podcast. Or, he, like, this conversation sucks. You're not going anywhere. So that's Spotify, but that's what corporations do. Big corporations don't the the best ones at a certain point forget about building talent and all they're interested in is acquiring talent and acquiring audiences. And the perils of being black or a minority period in podcasting sports, all these things is that the people that are making the decisions about who to sign or who to build as talent don't really understand your audience unless it's some rap shit and even then they don't really know so it's like it's it, so when you see how well Bomani Jones does or you see how well Stephen A. Smith does they're an anomaly because the reality is look at how many white people have podcasts it's insane like there are so many like Joe Rogan the money that he's getting it's ridiculous and I will never listen to his podcast because I don't give a shit but there are no decision makers making decisions for us. And Spotify realized that they didn't even, because Joe Budden made them realize that. They weren't making decisions for Joe Budden's audience. They had no idea about Joe Budden's audience. Joe Budden knew Joe Budden's audience. And now look, they lost him. I don't know how yeah. bad it'll hurt. They got a ton of money still. I think they still benefited from having Joe Budden. They just didn't maximize the opportunity. Yeah, I. Man, that's corporations in a nutshell. Now it comes down to, you know, we are in the machine, right? Like, we're in it. We're not that level of celebrity. We're no level of celebrity. But, um, you know, so you're doing the grind from down here, and there's podcasts. And I'm sure people come to you for podcast advice. Plenty have come to me for podcast advice. Shout out to my dudes that like Views from the Seven and um, my boy Doug, Struggle Play Podcast. All these people like come to me and I'm just like, yo, this is what I know. But I can never tell them how to break through to a Joe Budden level. But that's the aspirations of all these people flooding the market is that they see Joe Budden. And then Joe Budden at his level is like, yo, I want to break through to the Bill Simmons level. Right. Or they should respect me like they respect Joe Rogan, who they just cut, cut the craziest check to. And he's like, my numbers justify that. They don't give a fuck about numbers. No. Like, they love what the kids would call clout. If you got that, 
you're rolling in the dough. If you don't, this shit better be a passion project. Or you better flip this and finagle it. Because I, I think that's what opened the eyes more than anything than Joe Budden did the super deep dive into it. Is that if you're not flipping this into something else, then you're hustling backwards. Yeah, exactly. So that's one thing that came out of that. I want to touch on all that because we do podcasting. And a lot of people were interested, so gave our insight into that. Outside of that, in the musical realm, Versus came through again. And this week we had Brandy versus Monica. I will go on record to saying this was the most boring Versus I have seen so far. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of all the Versus. Yeah, I mean... Was it really for you though? Um. Yeah, like who else is it for? Like I'm, I'm I mean, 32. I mean, I think it's for like 40 year olds. It was 1.2 million people. It broke records. It was for somebody. Like people my age demo was in there. I enjoyed 112 versus Jagged Edge. I should enjoy this. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think. The people who were really Brandy or Monica people, because at one point it was not an and, it was an either or. And that's who this was really for. People had never seen, like, dude, Brandy and Monica hadn't been in the same room for nine years. That's crazy. Like, their history, especially considering that they both started as teenagers, well, shit, Monica was 12, in the 90s, and there were really no teen singers that lasted, shit, there weren't. Aaliyah died too soon. There weren't any singers outside of them at Usher who lasted as long as they did. And the fact that they did The Boy Is Mine, which was like a massive record, and it led to a lot of speculation because there was no social media at the time, so everybody just assumed that they were beefing, even though there was. Brandy kind of mentioned Monica slapping her in the face in the middle of that, that, uh, that Versus. There was a lot of uncomfortable moments in that Versus. And so I don't think it was necessarily built for you and not even necessarily me. Um... But it served its audience. Uh, boring? Yeah, there wasn't a ton of energy. I mean, it, uh, most of the tweets I saw were about Monica's fit and uh, a lot of nostalgia and reminiscing. Even though I, I would go on record saying the best song that either of those two have ever done is Brandy's Angel in Disguise. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Um, <laughs> I saw you marking out over that one. That, yo, that's my joint. Dark Child, when he came because that was the sound that nobody expected Brandy to have on her second album. Nobody. That shit was a banger. But, uh, other than that, I mean, it was cool. It, did, it served its purpose. And for that many people tuning in, it worked. And and this, the reason why this works, I keep saying this. You don't do this shit with current art, artists. Artists that are like, not saying Brandy and Mar- Monica aren't making new albums, but they have such a big catalog that it makes sense to do a versus with these two. When you do people that are like super active in the industry and still like really attached to what's current, it don't work as well. The nostalgia factor always is a big deal. That's true. That's true. I didn't think their catalog... I mean, I guess in the scope of it, they've been around for ever now. What, 20 years? 25 years? But when they started playing tracks, I was like, I don't know if they got 20. Monica for sure didn't have 20. Depends on who you ask. Not your Monica had like 13. <laughs> like She hit a wall towards the end. Yes. And then Brandy, Brandy was cool. I could have used more Ray J as a hype man. I mean, everybody could have used more Ray J. But right then, it would have been the Ray J show. Nobody would talk about Brandy and Monica anymore. I'm always here for the Ray J show. It's, yo, this is an aside. 
But Ray J is the greatest no talent having motherfucker I've ever seen in my life. No talent. Ray J got bangers though. Here's my point. Would Ray anybody give a shit about Ray J if it wasn't for Brandy? Hmm. No. No. That's I can't say that they would. No. Not not at all. Like Ray J's the entirety of Ray J's career has been built off of being Brandy's brother and then his personality consumed everything. I was about to Dude. say he surpassed Brandy. Yeah, in terms like in terms of, of popular culture, like Brandy was a singer and then she's done so much. She was an actress. She's done movies. Like Brandy's done a lot of things, Disney movies. Well, I know what you did last summer. I still know what you did last summer. Uh, she's done so much shit, and she's overshadowed by her brother, who can't really sing, who was made a name for himself, beefing with Fabulous after playing piano in fucking Floyd Mayweather's living room, uh, made scoony bikes and weird glasses, had a dating show, and continues to do the reality show circuit, put Kim Kardashian on, yo... The Ray J run, I'm not I'm not trying to disrespect Ray J, but nobody would have gave a shit about Ray J if he wasn't Brandy's brother. And he took that ball and he didn't just, dog, he didn't <laughs> run to the he didn't run to the end zone. He ran to somebody else's arena and scored a touchdown on another team. Like he just went nuts with it. That's I mean, that's self promotion to the nth degree. I've never seen anything like this. Unbelievable. Incredible. I mean <sighs> Ray J I'd say it's tough because Brandy has Moesha. That's what, but look, man, but like who's the more popular person right now? Who is the big, bigger Ray person? Ray J. That's Ray, crazy. Like, for the love of Ray J is still my shit. I could go back and watch that today. With Danger, Danger smashed a homie. Like, dude. That was, yo. Again, again my, like Brandy had Moesha. Brandy had hit, not, not just hit records, like number one albums. And her brother has snuck in the back door. Like, nobody ever looked at Ray J and was like, yo, he can sing. Nobody. Nobody's ever looked at Ray J and was like, man, he can blow. That's never happened. Ray just had a few songs here and there. One wish is my shit. That's your shit, not mine. But what? It's, it is what it is. But the point is, is that Ray J's like, music catalog doesn't even touch Brandy's. Yet, he is here doing things that are... Nobody would have ever imagined. If you looked at Ray J back then, it was like, yo, he would have smashed like the biggest um, non-talent having ass celebrity in the world, Kim Kardashian. You'd be like, yeah, right. He put her on. I forgot about the Kim K sex tape. Like, yo, he put her on. Like, dog, yeah. Ray J's, I don't know what to call this. It is like the celebrity <laughs> adjacent career. Like, he has created a career out of not really having a career and off his sister's back. But he didn't, like, use her. It's so yo. nuts. Yo, he created a billion dollar family. It's, it's just not his own. It's nuts. It's nuts. I don't even think Ray J knows what Ray J's done. No. Really, he should have got like 5% of everything they've ever done. Yeah, he should have. They could have cut him 5%. It's nuts, Damn. dude. Yo, I'm, you're going to make me watch for the love of Ray J tonight. Man, Danger was sexy for a second. Granted, she had a mustache and <laughs> and a tiger on her face. <laughs> Yo, she had face tats before face tats was like a thing thing. Before they were cool, the dumb big tiger on the face. Yet, she was still kind of cute. Ah, oh, the, the mustache. Yeah, I can't. Oh, man, I got to go back and watch that shit. Oh, Ray J's been doing it forever. I still watch Love It Hip Hop LA. 
Or Hollywood or whatever. Everybody, I mean, dog, the beanie moving on his head. Like, yo, it's just, it's unintentional success. The glasses that flip down? That's what I'm saying. On the Breakfast Club? This is unintentional success. Like, Ray J's confidence. Like, he knew he'd make it, but nobody else did. And here he is. It's crazy. Unbelievable. Incredible. So, before we hit the break, uh, Stevie J, talking about loving hip-hop, Stevie J popped up in the comment section. Why? Like... It's fucking Stevie, because he's Stevie J. He go wherever he wants. Popped up in the comment section. He's like, you know what? The next verses he wants is Mary J versus Faith. His lady Faith. Talking about the oh. long game. Oh, Faith My gets man lost. played the long con. Faith gets watched. And I, I think Faith is in a f- fucking amazing vocalist. And I actually liked Faith's music better, but in a, a battle, no, Faith gets absolutely washed. Oh, yeah? You liked her better as a vocalist than Mary J? Hell, yeah. Faith's vocals are amazing. I, I, not Mary, not that Mary's bad, but Faith's vocals are unbelievable. That girl is, like, her, like, Kiki Wyatt, yo, when you talk about women who can blow, yeah. But Mary's catalog, ain't nobody really fucking with that shit. Very nah, few. Tough. Very few are fucking with Mary's catalog. And I don't even like Mary's music. Again, I'm being very in the middle on this shit. I'm not saying this is a fanboy. Like, I don't really like Mary's music. I don't. Damn. I the the dancery, fuck that. I hate that song. Oh, Woo. I was in that video. You were? Yeah, yeah. I did uh my my father hates this story to this day. My dad I think I was like in seventh, eighth grade. I had to be eighth because I was coming to Vegas. And my dad was trying to, like, set up a bank account for me or some stupid shit. I don't know. Um, but anyway, I bounced on him. I kind of ghosted him and stood him up. It was, like, my last three days in New York. And my uncle was still at Bad Boy? Or maybe he was at a... Um, I forgot where the fuck he was. But he was had a promotion somewhere. It's right before he went to Rough Riders. And Mary was dropping that song. And he was like, yo, the promotions team isn't going to be able to come in for the video. We need to pass all these flyers out and put these up on, you know, like when you used to put the posters on the, like, poles downtown. And he was like, yo, you guys got to go up and put all these posters up and blah, blah, blah. Because the video, they're going to walk in and it has to look like they're walking through the promo for the album. So we put this shit up, like, five, six blocks. And then everyone was still there. Granted, it's in a club and we're, like, eighth graders. But they were like, yeah, nah, y'all did that? Come on, y'all could chill. And I remember they were like, yeah, come on, just sit in the corner. Like, if the camera pans to you, whatever, fuck it. But you guys can chill and be on the video, in the video and on the video shoot. I remember Dre was there. Everyone came to that video shoot. And it was in, like, some random-ass warehouse on, like, 56, 56 and 8th. And, yeah, we were just in the video chilling. And I was like, you know, this shit is wild. And I saw Mary try to dance. But she couldn't dance, but I was too young to say anything. So I was nodding like it was the hardest shit ever. Yeah, yeah, I remember that to this day. So yeah, I was in that video. I was in the, I, me and my whole crew from the block was in the We'll Always Love Big Papa video. Where the kid's on the stoop. Wow. Um, yeah, been in like three videos. How do I not know this? Like, you're withholding shit. I'm over here telling these <laughs> stupid ass stories about the things that I've done that are stupid. And you're over here in like legendary rap videos and shit. <laughs> because you worked in the industry. I just grew up in the industry. I was industry like a Jace. Like my godfather, my uncle. Like they all worked in the industry. Worked for Bad Boy in the creation. Worked for Uptown before then. Um, 
I mean, shit, my uncle worked for Rough Riders, then D-Block, then, um, I forgot where my uncle Chuck worked. It was some, like, big-time joint. He worked for LaFace for a second, too. But, yeah, so they, they did all of this, so I happened to always be around, because they always were watching me. So, yeah, I was running in the streets, in the studio. Sheik still owes me $25, because I bust his ass in NBA Live. Hmm. That's how old it is, because we're still playing NBA Live in the studio, him and their engineer poobs back in the day. I used to bust ass in NBA Live. Um, I gave, I told you I gave Styles P the left hand. He scared me to death. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so I've done like some wild shit. Mace crossed me over. <laughs> Once it broke my ankles in front of a whole video shoot. And I, I didn't know the man had a scholarship to play college ball at one point. And yeah. I was talking shit and he hit me with the sham god. And like an entire block of people laughed at me. That was pretty bad. Um, yeah, so there's random stuff like that. Oh, and Cam came that day too. Cam was balling with us. And again, I didn't know Cam was dead nice. Yeah. Either way, I got my ass bust in basketball this day. But yeah, I got a couple of those stories, you know, randomly growing up and, and running around. And I used to have to run demo tapes or boxes of demos down from like one spot to the A&R's office and that shit was mad heavy cause I was like fifth grade fucking toppling over with demo tapes used to have to pick stuff up at four in the morning for mixtape DJs Big Mike shout out to Big Mike used to meet him in Yonkers with tapes and shit it was it was a wild childhood but yeah again I was a kid you were a grown ass adult so I like your stories better yeah okay but whatever yeah but in music videos that's that's the life of new york um when we come back though let's i promise to break fuck it let's take a break when we come back we're gonna talk about the wave of older artists dropping new heat and have a game set up a game for you dre old school versus new school we don't play too many games on this show but again lighthearted. it should be fun let's see if you can guess if a song is old school or new school rapper. So you guys stay tuned. This is going to be fun. We'll be right back. All right, we'll get back to the show in a second. But if you guys have been listening to us and you're a little bit hungry, there's an answer for you, and that's DoorDash. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. You don't have to get up. You don't have to turn off the podcast. They come to you. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite natural restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right, just that fast, we are back. And before we get into our old school versus new school game, which I'll explain to you again in a second, Dre, I wanted to start this segment off by talking about 
the old older artists, I guess they're older now, it makes me feel old as hell, drop in heat though, especially this week. So we had Nas drop a new album, which not sure if you listened to it yet. Of course I have. I figured you would. What are your thoughts on the Nas album? It's a very good album. It's probably Nas's best album since Life Life is Good. Life is good? Yep. yep. I'd agree. I, I would say and this is a hot take, hot take city. I gotta listen to it more. But initially, it's probably the second best beat selection I've heard from an album in his career. In his career, credit has to go to Hip Boy. My goodness! Shout out to Hip Boy. But behind Illmatic, it's probably my favorite beat selection for a Nas album. Um, you have to think. Well, Stillmatic was pretty. Stillmatic was good. Pretty fucking good. Second Childhood uh, as a premier beat. Pretty fucking good. Um, let me think. Let me think. Life is Good was pretty dope. It was written. But beat selection. Yeah. Like I mean, it's beats? one producer. It's crazy because it's one producer and it's Hit Boy. And Hit Boy found a way to modernize Nas but still keep the essence of Nas. It's crazy. Yep. Few can really do that. Like, Nas usually ends up picking some shit that's out of his depth. And it's like, yeah. Nas, what are you doing? Like, you can't rap over that trap shit. And he's like, I'm going to try. And it's like, no, Nas, don't do that. And he does it anyway. And it sounds terrible. But Hit Boy, for whatever reason, one, he's been incredibly slept on as a producer for a long time. And it's crazy the resurfacing of Hit Boy this past year. Well, not even this past year. These past few months, if you really think about it, because he's got shit with uh, Conway the Machine, with Days yep. Loaf, which is exceptional. The, the joint he did with uh, Big Sean and Nipsey, fucking incredible. And then this... Yeah, Hit Boy's on something. Whatever it is, I want some. <laughs> Caught that second win. Yeah, man. He, he was like, wait, we're in a pandemic? I got to stay in the crib? Get on this beat machine. Killing shit. Crushing it. So I, I really like that album. I listened to the Locks album this past week. They are the perfect case study for not evolving outside of their genre. No, they Or are. their era. They are who they are. Yeah, this album could have dropped in 99. I would have been hyped. Yeah. Like, this shit feels like Rough Riders locks. I'm, and I'm totally fine with it. Like, Me too. Some people, Fuck evolving to the trap. Yeah, song. see, some people want evolution in music, and you really don't. Like, I say this shit all the time. It's like, you really don't. You really don't want somebody to evolve, because what you think you're going to get ain't going to be what you're going to get. And the locks, specifically, like, Sheik, Styles, Jada, they've, like... Specifically, Styles and Jada have been able to make like singles and big songs and like big moments. Sheik, not so much. Sheik has always kind of stayed in the same kind of lane. But when they're all together, they, it's a one note crew and it's not a bad note at all. But they know how to hit that note hard and they make you want to break a bottle and stab somebody in like a New York alleyway while it's raining outside with the smoke coming up from the sewers. That's the type of music that they make. That's a very vivid picture. But I I agree. Like you just want to catch somebody with a buck fifty. Yeah. That's yeah, that's prime razor blade in your cheek. Yeah, who, just walking by blowing it on something. Bam. Yeah, who doesn't catch like, it? Man, you gotta have that sometimes. Like it's yeah. what it is. Like I will never say like, oh man, they're like the greatest of all time, but there's always people that are really good at what they do. It's like um John Stockton. Like, if, if I relied on John Stockton to get me 25 a game, I'm going to lose, right? Yeah. But if I'm going to rely yeah. on John Stockton to drop some dimes and set people up, that's what I'm looking for. Jason Kidd the same way. If I'm going to rely on Jason Kidd to give me, like, 25, I'm going to lose. 
But if I rely on Jason Kidd to be the floor general, makes sense. Some of these people, you got to stay in your lane and know how you're playing and do that to the best of your ability because some of you can't just, you can't be LeBron James. You can't be Michael Jordan. You can't be Kobe Bryant. You got to figure out who the fuck you are and be it. And that's who they are. Perfectly said. Uh, The last track that dropped that really caught my attention, Black Thought has a new single. That was just fire. And Killer Mike destroys it. Yeah, but what else is doing? Like, if anybody, <laughs> if you're still asking questions about Black Thought in 2020, you get there's some issues here. There are some real yeah. issues here. Somehow Pusha T's on that, and I love Pusha T, but I don't understand that. Like, he got thrown <laughs> into the mix of the hyenas right there. So, hey, man, what are you doing here? <laughs> he just, that, that's the classic case of, oh, we're about to kill this shit, and then someone's next to you, like, they're about to kill this shit. And, like, and push uh, is dope, but yeah. Push is dope, but that's that's the wrong cipher to jump in. Yeah. that's That takes me back to like middle school, high school, when everyone's freestyling and shit, and you go and everyone's killing it, and then your boy steps in and you're just like, oh, oh you're no. not, yo, you're not this dope. Don't do this to us. No, don't do this to yourself. I really like you. We're boys. This, this is the one you sit out because those punchlines ain't hitting like you think. Yeah. So, nah, that's that song is super dope. Uh, man, just this wave of old school P. I feel like every other week we've been talking about this, but there's just these older rappers who just never fall off. No, man. You know? Like I said, it's it's. Here's the reason why I've said this on the show before. There are no gatekeepers in releasing music anymore. There are none. There's no white dude in a suit telling you you got to make music for that 17 year old kid anymore, because that's what they used to do. And, and and Nas was like a victim of that shit. Like the Escobar person, persona was because labels were like, yo, you can't keep making like Illmatic. So for your next album, you need to, you know, you see Biggie over there? You need to do shit like that. And I was like, yeah, I do shit like that. And it was like, no, Nas, don't do shit like that. And it was written, worked, <laughs> but then it just got weird, man. It just got really weird. And like... I, one guy that I thought was super dope and was a victim of this shit was fucking Mike Geronimo. If anybody remembers Mike Geronimo, I was like, yo, he's dope. Him and Royal Flush, yeah. Then they came out with these super jiggy albums. Like, yo, what the fuck is this? But Mike it, Geronimo and Royal Flush. Yeah, Vendetta That's, album? Oh, my God. These albums. That is a deep cut yeah, right there. Dude, what, listen, I try to tell people, like, when we talk about, like, some hip-hop shit, like, I bought everything. 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 Few things went past me throughout the 90s until it just got overwhelming. And then I started writing for music. So then I, I just consumed it all the time. So it was like I listened to everything. So I can tell you like stages of when shit happened. But now that we're in an era where artists can go direct to consumer and like they can play to their audience like the locks. They don't have to listen to some A&R fuck or some suit at a record label to say, oh, we need a we need a radio single. That doesn't happen anymore. Like, nobody says, we need radio singles anymore. It doesn't exist. Artists can do what they want. So these older artists, where once upon a time they would age out because they would sound utterly ridiculous making getting jiggy with it, now they can stay in their lane and do the shit they like to do. So, I mean, you see guys, and, and of course, like, you see De La Soul. Like, I can't wait till De La drops their album. They don't have to do some jiggy shit at all. Tribe, you don't have to do some jiggy shit. The Locks, you look at all these artists. The one artist, I'm saying this because who's like a super victim of this shit, super duper victim of this shit, AZ. Oh. Yeah. 
Dude. But AZ was always the rhymer who was like, he was always kind of the, the fly dude. But I'm saying like AZ, like Sosa, like AZ had the greatest, arguably the greatest guest appearance of all time. Yeah. And him and Buster are neck and neck. Exactly. <laughs> and I would probably put Snoop in that category as well. Um, okay. And Big Pun. Pun as well. When Pun arrived, oh, it was like, holy shit. But AZ had the, one of the greatest guest verses on a, one of the, the best hip-hop albums of all time. And Do or Die was dope. But then the album after that, was it Pieces of Man was after that? I'm trying to remember. Oh, AZ's second album was fucking nuts. I'll look it up right now. And then it was just like it, something happened where it, it wasn't clicking. Like he wasn't having radio singles. Like he got over with Sugar Hill with Miss Jones, right? For his first single on Do or Die. Um, Mo Money, Mo Murder was like a mixtape joint. But then it was like, as time progressed, like, AZ was supposed to be one of the best ever. Like, well, after we heard him on Life's a Bitch, we looked at him like, yo, this, how can this guy not be the best ever? Pieces of a Man is right. So, Pieces of a Man, then Nine Lives, and then Asiatic, which is my shit. Yeah, like, but he, he his career just never went where it was supposed to go. But I always blame, like, labels. Like, Lupe was, look, man, every, if you don't know, like, the, the battles that Lupe had with Atlantic... Like, I was privy to that shit. I'll tell you guys a story. You guys want to hear a story? Yeah, sure you do. Um, I brought Lupe out for his first show in Vegas. And uh, this was right when Food and Liquor leaked. Not the not the official album. It leaked. I was heavy on the, the Lupe mixtape circuit. Yeah. So I contacted Latrice Burnett, who worked at Atlantic. I was working at Hip Hop Side at the time. And I said, what's Lupe doing? She was like, he's working on his album. I was like, what's it going to take to bring him to Vegas? She gave me a figure. I found a way to get a loan and raise some money to get Lupe out here. Wasn't a lot. Trust me. Was not a lot. Now I could pay for like 10 Lupes. That's how much I pay for. <laughs> um, but I flew. I got him out here. And the day he lands, I pick him up from the airport. Him, Bishop G. Uh, it was Yeah, it was just him and Bishop. And Jason Salvador, who's been my boy for a long time, who's his manager. They pull up. And I get a text. On this is when like shit. There was like cell phones weren't like texting like that. But um I got a text that food and liquor leaked. And I looked at Lou and I was like, Did you know this? And he was like, Those motherfuckers at Atlantic. And I was like, What are you talking about? Because at this time, like everything leaked. And we're riding in the car and I'm taking him to the hotel. And we get to this hotel and he's like steaming. And I'm like, yo, well who leaked your shit? And he was like, Atlantic. I was like, What are you talking about? And he was like, they didn't believe in my album. So they leaked it as a heat check. And if it flops, they're going to make me scrap it. I was like, really? Even though, if anybody remembers, he had the crazy Jay-Z cosign at the time. And he just did Touch the Sky with Kanye. The music that Lou was making for Food and Liquor, like Daydreaming. Um, and actually, I believe Daydreaming was, ended up being on the second version of the album, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, Daydreaming was fed by the label. Yeah, that was not on the the, the leaked version of the album. Um, but all these other songs that he had, that was on the leaked version of the album, we were sitting there and he was just like, yo, they, they, they didn't believe. And he had beef with Pharrell at the time. Lou and Pharrell had like beef beef. And this was at the time where Pharrell had ice creams. Remember those? What? Yeah, they just did Just Might Be Okay was one of the best tracks on that album. Dude, this is like around the time when I Gotcha got done. And um, 
for whatever reason, like Lou was mad at everybody. So he's doing this show. He's getting ready to do this show, and he's fucking upset, just mad, because he like. I talked to Latrice, and I'm like, yo, did y'all leak this? She's like, no. And I told her my boy Busy's over there, and, and that was Lou's boy. And he's like, who the fuck did this? But he was confident somebody at Atlantic did this shit because they were trying to bury the album. Because the, the album was not expensive to make, but they didn't want to put a lot of money behind the album to promote it. So, yeah, labels are fucking full of shit. The funny part about this story is he's mad at, at Pharrell for God knows what. I can't even remember and Lupe, fuck it, I can say it now, who cares? Lupe's like going nuts in the hotel room talking about how Lu- Pharrell's like a fake skateboarder, doesn't sh- give a shit about the culture, like he wanted the co-op kick push, he talked about like this whole child rebel soldiers thing is about to be a bunch of bullshit unless Pharrell gets his shit together, and then he asked me, he's like, yo, Andreas, and I'm like, what? And he's like, is there a, um, is there going to be a fire marshal? In the, like we did this show at this spot called the Ice House. He asked me if there's going to be a fire marshal. And I was like, what? what the, why are you talking about fire marshal? Bishop G, if anybody remembers Bishop G, was like a little thugged out homeboy who yep. was always around. And Bishop was like, because we're about to light ice creams on fire on stage. I'm like, what are you fucking you talking about? <laughs> like they were seriously going, like they had some ice creams in their bag. And they were like, we're going to light these on fire on stage. Can we do this at your show? And I was like, absolutely not. You cannot do that. <laughs> I fucking, I would have told them light on fire. Man, no, man. They would took my deposit, man. Like, I had to fucking rent the venue. No way. But Lou, Lou is always, since that day, I knew Lou was paranoid. And Lou eventually, for those who don't know, got into a shape from Two Dope Boys. And I've probably told the story before. And they had a whole backstage altercation at a House of Blues show in Vegas the night of a Mayweather fight that I couldn't be at. And I got phone calls that Lou had locked Shake in the room, was trying to punk him. But Shake wasn't having it. If anybody's ever met Shake, Shake looks like this very kind white boy, but you put a little liquor in him, he's ready to fight everybody. But Lou was convinced that Shake set himself up outside his studio in, I don't even know where the studio is, but he was convinced Shake was sitting outside his studio downloading his music, stealing it off his Wi-Fi. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and like Shake was like, no, dude, like no. And Lou called me because me and Lou used to be really cool. And Lou was like, how do you know the song, the names of the songs on my album? I was like, dog, nobody. First of all, Shake don't leave his house. He's not going to the studio that I don't know where it's at and stealing your music. And then on top of that, he never leaked it. He just had the names of the songs, which somebody at the label did again. Labels ain't shit. So all that to say that artists. Now don't have to deal with these people that don't believe in them. That they just get these projects and they're just like, eh, it's not going to cater to this certain demo. Fucking, we're going to throw it in the trash. We're going to make them make this one single. We're going to bleed that out and we're going to get our advance money back and be done with it. So now it's direct to consumer. Nobody's got to worry about this shit anymore. Incredible. Shout out to Shake. Hey, I feel like Shake. Yeah, Shake turned over furniture. In a room. Man. Like, fuck it. We just going one on six. That's another story for another day. <laughs> God damn. Yo. Shout out to Shake. Uh, all right. Let's get into this game then before we talk combat sports in the next segment. So, uh, I figured we're talking old school, new school. It's a cool thing I saw on YouTube, and I swagger jacked it from Genius. So, I figured I'd go on Genius. At least I'm giving credit for it. And figured we'd play the game on the podcast with you, our resident expert. So, I will give you a couple of bars. I'm going to try to say it as monotone as possible. And you will tell me if it's an old school or a new school artist. And if you're feeling froggy, you can tell me who you think it is. 
If not, I will then tell you who it is if you have no clue. And I will try to mix these up as best as possible. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm kind of scared of this, though. This is crazy. All right. First one. If I'm on the island, I'm snatching the cell. Brody got locked, denied his bail. Until he free, I'm raising hell. Tell my shooters, call me FaceTime. For all the times we had to FaceTime. Free D nice, he doing state time. If you need the glizzy, you could take mine. Old school That's or new, new school. school artist? That's new school. New school. Bonus points, do you know who it is? No. It is Pop Smoke on Dior. Yeah, I'd have never got that. No, no one should. <laughs> no one should. <laughs> no one should. Uh, all right. I mean, it was a dead giveaway when you start repeating the same thing over and over, yeah. I guess, right? Yeah. All right. Let's see. Next one up. We're so say less when I speak. Y'all estrogen speak. Respected by kings only. Address me as chief. Invested in things only a vet would. Only lames front on kings. That's expected from creeps. That's old school. Old school? Are you sure about this? Yeah. Old school rapper it is. It is Nas on yeah. King's Disease. Yeah. That's that's definitely, yeah. Come on, man. Too much wordplay? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, what was the dude, dead giveaway on that? The, the dead giveaway on Nas lyrics is um, the type of phrasing that he uses. Like, if you look at Nas lyrics, there's, there's certain terms that Nas will use that very few rappers use in a rhyme. And his scheme, even if you talk it, I can tell it's Nas. See, that's so wild. And this because you're a weirdo and you used to write down lyrics and shit. Yes. All right. Crack the claw for this next one. All right. Let's see. This one's tricky. Bring the hood piece. You expect to buy the Benzes. Shell catch an iron. You ain't pressured by forensics. Have these niggas rhyming transgendered. You said it. Got to question how you meant it. I transcend forever monumented. Not even Netflix could document it. I mean, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. That is, I want to say old school. God, why is this racking my brain right now? <laughs> this one's tricky. I'm throwing the curveball. That's old, that's old school, yeah. Wait, what the fuck is this, though? It is an old school rapper. I've only chosen new songs from old school rappers. To try to throw you off. Because I can't pick old shit. You know it word for word. This is Royce. That's what, yeah. On FUBU. That's, exactly. With okay. Conway. Jesus. Now I'm embarrassed because I know that. Because as soon as you said uh, you can document it. Yeah, that's that was that was Royce. Okay. Netflix can document it. Yep. That is Royce. So, uh, yeah, I had to throw that in there. I was like, yo, I got to choose something tricky, though. I can't use classic Royce. Yeah. Next up. I'm a hyena since everyone's goats. I'm full of shooters. Oh, excuse me. Team full of shooters. Pull up and they score. I got the drop on the op. It's a go. I get 200 racks every night for a show. I know it's a blessing. Christian Dior and Jordan 11. New school. You ain't got to finish. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, new school. New school. You're not going to know who this is. This is oh, Lil I, Baby. I, was about, I know who it is. It's Lil Baby, yeah. Yo, dude. Live off my closet. Yeah, I know that song. Yep. Oh, there you go. 
You want to why? Because I've dug into Little Baby a little bit more after that one like conscious song that he had, and I was just like, all right, let me listen a little bit more. Yeah. I didn't pick you for a little baby guy. I'm not, but all right. Anyway, <laughs> next up, she know what I do. She know for I run from a nigga, I'ma pull it out and shoot. PTSD. I'm always waking up in cold sweats, like I got the flu. My daughter G, she caught, she saw me kill a nigga in front of her before the age of two. Mm. That, was, that was tough. <laughs> mm. ah, shit. I don't know. I'm gonna say old school. That's you're gonna say old school. Yeah. That that is a mighty big compliment because it is new school, and it's the baby from Rockstar, with Roddy Rich. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Don't even know the song. The baby actually has good flow patterns. For like a new school dude, like until every pattern is the exact same. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Outside of that, like the flow patterns are dope. Um, all right, let's see, let's see if you get this next one. <sighs> TV got no temperature, even if it did. Bitch, we cool as penguin pussy on the polar cat peninsula. Colder than your baby mama heart. When she find out you've been fucking with that other broad and you ain't got that rent for. Her. Oh, I missed the uh. Dude, there, dude, that's fucking Run the Jewels, man. <laughs> Good shit by you. That's out, of, that's out of sight, man. I was just listening yeah. to this shit today. Damn, all right. I thought I was going to trip you up mm-hmm. on that. And by the way, it took me a while to find a, like a part of the verse that could be new school. <laughs> like, because of the rhyme. And I was like, yo, I really got to just rhyme this all off beat. Yeah. Just so Dre doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Because one of the jewels is just too good. This next one's going to trip you up. It's going to fuck you up. All right. Hold on. I have it in here. Seven days in a week. Eat a steak every plate. It's a feast. Watch your weight. No mistakes in the least. Or else you too will dig a grave with your teeth. I wish that I could fit in these expensive jeans. A waistline that'll rip the seams. Come on, man. Really? <laughs> you really gonna you really gonna put one of my favorite I, rappers on here? I was about to say I had to throw. Come on, let's take a look, man. That's expensive jeans. It's expensive jeans. Shout out to Fonte. <laughs> I had to do it though. Yeah, I had, had to, to do it. Yeah, I was like, yo, I gotta throw, I gotta throw his favorite rapper in here just to see. But nah, yeah, there's no, no tripping you up. Here goes the last one. So far, you've only missed one, and that's the baby. Next one, yeah, Cartier eyes, Cartier coat, Cartier's the watch, Cartier love, Cartier the thought, Cartier specs, buffalo on the side, princess cut diamonds, they Cartier, yeah, Cartier bag for the Cartier thought. That's some new school shit. There's no way that's old school. (laughs) I have no idea who that is, but it's absolutely new school. <laughs> it's Young Thug. Yeah, there you go. I don't listen to Young Thug. Hot featuring Gunna. I just put that on the album just to prove a fucking point. I put that on the list to say Young Thug don't be rapping about shit. Not a fucking thing. Not a damn thing. Cartier was said ten times in the matter of six bars. Yeah. Not even like four bars. Young Thug fans are gonna be really mad at you though. Yo, they fucking love it. 
I, I saw this verse on Genius, and I couldn't believe how bad it was. <laughs> There's yeah. a part. It says, I'm still double cupped up. I'm drinking. I shoot off your tires. Huh? Do, 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 do. <laughs> it's in the fucking thing. What? What are you talking about? Uh, like, uh, this this verse was so atrocious when you write it down. I couldn't fucking believe it. Oh, and they say he's one of the goats. Hey man, what? Different times, different strokes for different folks. Different strokes for different folks. Great job by you on the game. I should have found a trickier Fonte verse. Do, 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 do. I'm stuck on that. <laughs> that shit is horrible. I'm not even listening to the real song to see how it goes. I know I've heard it, but God, that was bad. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll touch on combat sports. We're having too much fun. I'm drink this claw. You guys stay right there. All right, we'll get back to the show in a second. But first, Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFL Sunday ticket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, we're back, and it's the home stretch, so we're actually touching on combat sports. Before we get up out of here, it was fun talking hip-hop the whole beginning of the show. Hopefully (laughs) hopefully you guys enjoy it. Uh, There will be no more Young Thug quotes for the remainder of this show. I promise you guys that. If you're a Young Thug fan, I do not apologize to you. I am sorry for your ears. So, let's talk about boxing. Let's start on the zone. You guys... And uh, Golden Boy, oh, everyone God. there. Match room. There's no fight this weekend. Nope. You get an off weekend. Congrats. We got quite a few of them, actually. We haven't announced our uh, our schedule for match room for the rest of the year. So, I mean, you can't because our first topic, yeah. will Canelo even fight this year? Opinion. <sighs> no inside facts. It, in your opinion, how about this? Should he fight this year? Of course he should fight this year. I mean... The man hasn't fought all year. like Since last November. Yeah, he should fight this year. If I had to s- speculate, and I mean, obviously there's these issues going on. I won't speak to them because I haven't been privy to a lot of those conversations. I just know what most people know, what's been reported. Yeah, it's an impasse on opponents and money. And uh, he'll fight this year. I think he'll fight in November or December. I don't think he fights. I, I don't think they can find a number comfortable enough for him to step in the ring without fans and the biggest thing, without pay-per-view. Well, I mean, he didn't have pay-per-view. That's The issue is... But you always had fans. You always had gate. You always had yeah. an audience who was paying every month because you had fights every month. I wonder what the retention rate is of people who came back after a pandemic that had canceled their shit. Because when you look at that, it's like... What have they been getting? Unless they flock just for his fight. That that's the challenge, right? Like the challenge is, you know, do you pay Canelo 
thirty some odd million dollars, thirty two million dollars to fight somebody that's not Triple G, somebody that's not a big name, and where you can't necessarily guarantee like a huge boon of subscriptions. That's a challenge, man. Um, but I think they're gonna find a, a way. At least I would hope to find a way that they get him in the ring with somebody, particularly either Billy Joe Saunders or Callum Smith. He needs to fight somebody with a title. Um, otherwise, like this is this year is a wash. Um, you got to have the Triple G fight next year. You have to, yeah. but you have to have it in front of fans. So I don't know. This is me just spitballing here. There may have to be some way to do... See, even Disney Plus tried to do this with Milan. Like a premium subscription. And if you don't have a premium yep. subscription, you put... Like, th- those fights are on pay-per-view. Like, you get a discount if you're a DAZN subscriber. Again, don't take this for anything. I'm merely speculating. This is, there's been no conversations about this whatsoever. But I think it would be smart because if you're going to retain anything to do a pay-per-view... But it's free for premium subscribers, but then people can buy it all a cart. But everything else is still free. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck in this trap with Canelo where how do you make this money back? I don't know. That's the key. One, I think he's been giving him a discount all along. So 32 mil a fight is a discount. You think so? I think so. I think he's... I don't think his so. His last pay-per-view... Let's just throw numbers out there. His last pay-per-view was Triple G1. Before he went to the zone, right? Pretty sure. Yeah. That did three times the number. Over two mil. Just over two mil. Or was it 1.9? Something crazy. It did almost three times the number of Fury, Fury Wilder. But I mean... Let's give it two and a half. Fury and Wilder made close to 50, 60 mil on their fight. Yeah. For half the numbers. Canelo makes half of theirs no matter who he fights. That's a discount. Canelo would be an $80 million a fight fighter on pay-per-view if he was still on pay-per-view. See, I don't know. A lot of that had to do with Triple G being the opponent. That's a fight that people have been waiting for for so long. I don't know if you get that, like a million buys if he fights Callum Smith. No, I'd say... I think you get a million. I don't think he ever dips under a million. Yeah, I think so. The star power of Canelo. Like I, it's like Mayweather's star power towards the end. Like, he fought Birdo. It didn't crush him that much. Um, but I think these bigger fights, you look, a Triple G trilogy on, a fr- like, in the free market, pay-per-view, you give him points and guaranteed money, he's getting a buck 20, 120 mil for it. I mean that's that's light in terms of Floyd numbers. It probably does a number what under Floyd McGregor, but still top five all time. Yeah. He'd get paid a buck fifty. Connor got paid a hundred on a B side. Yeah, but I think he gets a buck fifty. That's five fights in his current deal. Okay. So my He's giving them a discount. My constant problem with Canelo is going to be this. Canelo's a star, Mexican superstar. Yep. Um, but he's got, I think he still needs to have the right dance partner. I think he still does better than most. But to do Floyd-type numbers, the issue is, is he doesn't do anything in English. Nothing. 
in order to promote a fight, he can't show up on first take. He can't show up on Undisputed. He can't show up, do a commercial. He can't. He can't do any of those things. It limits, it limits his marketing ability. He can't promote himself outside of that. And the fucked up thing is, is I've been around Canelo. You, I mean, I'm sure you've been around him too. He understands everything that you're saying. I've been around him when he speaks English. He just doesn't yep. like to do it. But it limits his exposure. For We're in a time now where when we talk about Canelo and Triple G, pay-per-view was still like really big deal because Floyd was still fighting. And Canelo Triple G was a fight that bubbled for so long. And Triple G was the perfect dance partner because he was a murderer heading into that fight. But who is Canelo going to fight now that's not going to need an extra push? So outside of Triple G, who's the biggest name that Canelo could fight? In his weight class, which is... 68. He has like three weight classes. Yeah, but he's not making 60. He's not making 60. So we'll, we'll okay. do 68, so 68 75. 75. <sighs> I don't know if there's another big household name. Exactly. Yet. So he's got to sell the fight himself. Yeah. Like there's no opponent I mean, that's out. There's no opponent. Like Triple G was an opponent where he didn't need to do anything. His work spoke for itself. He just beat the shit out of people and just became like this a social media monster that people wanted to see fight, and it just built and built and built. Whereas, Callum Smith, Billy Joe Saunders, I mean, he had to fight a David Benavidez, a Caleb Plant for the shit to matter. But even Caleb Plant and David Benavidez aren't guys. Aren't yeah, they're not huge stars yet. So Canelo can't sell this fight to an American audience, and especially if you look at us coming out of a pandemic, how, how are you going to sell this fight? That's that's my problem with Canelo. Thirty-two million, yeah. It relies on bo- hardcore boxing fans, a smattering of casual fans, and a strong Mexican contingency. Outside of that, you need a, an opponent, and if you don't have an opponent, you need to sell a fight. And that's what Floyd did better than almost everybody. He made his opponents like, come on, man, Victor Ortiz, seriously. He sold the shit out of that fight. Marcos Maidana, he used Adrian Broner for that shit. Canelo can't do any of those things. No, uh, that's true. It's tough. I still think he sells despite not speaking English. I mean, I think he, he sells, but does he sell well? He does over a million no matter what. In today's climate, a million gets you wilder money, which is $40 million. So, yes, he's still making 10 more. Than he would on the zone. Okay. It it's tough, man. I I think <laughs> now that I'm looking at it, it's like one. I still don't think he fights because he's not taking a pay cut. Because again, he's giving him a discount. Yeah, he might, but yeah, he to, might take to a pay it, cut. He needs the right dance partner. But when you come at it that way, it's like okay, I take a pay cut now because the pandemic, whatever. Then I get my full money for Triple G. There's no one after Triple G Trilogy. So if he knocks Triple G out, beats him outright, like no controversy, nothing this time, then what? You're going to try to cut his pay again? No, this is what you do. Like you play out the contract. Like you're not, you can't cut his, like right now there's an out, which is pandemic, take a pay cut because nobody's really getting paid. So you take a pay cut, you fight, which is an extra fight. I'm, I'm talking business here. There's an extra fight that you just did under contract. So when it's time for you to get out of your contract, 
Now you say, look, I did do this solid. I'm out of my contract. I'm still, what, maybe 32, 33? Uh, mm-hmm. And I have b- bargaining power. Because hopefully somebody will emerge to be an opponent. But until then, it's like for him to get to sit in the contract and do absolutely nothing. Yeah, I know you want your thirty-two million to fight, but take the seventeen and get another fight under your belt, and then you renegotiate down the line. It's kind of like arbitration and shit. Like just do it, get a fight out the way, because the worst thing you can do is just kind of sit on your ass for a year as a fighter. Like you gotta stay busy at a certain point. He's young enough to do it, like uh, Andre Ward did, if he had to. He's young enough to he do it. He shouldn't want to, though. Because, again, I, I think Canelo's number one pound for pound because of his resume and everybody that's fought. But we all agree that there's fights that we think Canelo lost. Right? Yeah. So, there's not very... Like, aside from the first Kovalev fight with Ward, Ward just watched everybody. Ward, Ward is on a completely different level of a pound for pound fighter. I don't think anybody can beat Andre Ward. That's true at any time. It didn't matter if he sat out, if he was active. It didn't matter at all. I think a Canelo Andre Ward fight, if it would, if those time, those that period would have lined up, would have been exceptional. But I think Ward would have beat him. Act like Ward was smart in the sense of I know when to be active. Like I can see what you're trying to do in a round. It's kind of what Floyd used to do. It's like, oh, you're trying to outpoint me by just throwing a bunch of punches. All right, oh, I'm going to neutralize that by making you miss. And making you pay. Ward could do yep. that. Canelo's learned that strategy. And he's been really good at it. But he's had some tough moments in fights. So no, that's true. I, I mean, Ward is better than Lara. Ward is bigger than Floyd, but yet as smart and skilled. So he can take the new power of Canelo. Even at this size. I think Andre Ward does beat him. Yeah, so I'm just saying, man. Like, take a fight. Because... Look, man, here's what Canelo wants to do. And I know this for a fact. Canelo wants to fight in other markets, too. Canelo wants to fight in Tokyo Dome. Canelo wants to fight at Wembley. Canelo wants to fight in these big stadiums. You can't do that without fans. But you can't wait for a pandemic to end. And then you're still in your contract. Like, let's just say this pandemic continues for another 12 to 16 months. Let's just say that we don't ever get to 100% capacity until 2022. You're just not going to fight? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's you gotta do work. something just stay busy like if you think you can watch Callum Smith which a lot of people do I do as well beat him up take your 17 million collect another world title because if you're really fighting for legacy like you say you are you might as well just get into belt collector mode just collect them shits yeah I mean it's better than making no money I guess yeah. sitting and waiting making no money but that's just me who knows how much goes into his training and everything else so I don't know. Maybe 17 is too much uh, of a cutoff. 50% pay cut is wild. I mean... Like, they, if he could do 23, you got to give the man 66%. I don't, so, I like, don't know. Like, 50 is a lot. It's a lot. I, I don't know. I mean, it's the same reason Terrence Crawford hasn't been fighting. You know, it, it, That is correct. It's very hard. To, <laughs> is, like, as a fighter, you say, well, I should get what pay what I, what I, what I deserve. But then as a promoter, it's like, well, what the fuck do you deserve, man? Like, there ain't no audience. Yeah. That's the hard yep. part. That's but, why Dana White's done so well. Because fighters don't even know what the fuck they're worth. Yeah. I mean, in boxing, fighters believe they're worth what it takes, the time it takes for them to train, what their record dictates they are. 
their caliber of champion, top five pound for pound. They deem that with an, a dollar amount. When in fact, it's how much people are spending on you. Yeah. And in a pandemic, no matter how good you are, people aren't spending that much on you anymore. It'll, you know, it'll be really interesting. And I think this is, I don't think people have really paid attention as much as they should. This Charlo doubleheader is very important. If this Charlo doubleheader does well, because it's two pretty stacked cards, it's six fights. Oh, yeah. But it's 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 six fights, which makes up basically a pay per view with an extra fight, right? Just a normal one. But it's it's really two shows, and if and it's pretty loaded. Like you look at that lineup, it's pretty damn loaded. If that pay per view does well, promoters would be smart to start stacking fucking cards. I think most are. Um without giving too much away on this show, I expect the Diofimo card versus Lomachenko to be pretty stacked. I mean, you just kind of, like, as well. in order to make pay-per-view work, like, Wilder Fury was a one-fight card. You gotta stop doing that shit. Yeah. You have to. You have to put another title on, like, uh, not just a title fight, you gotta put marquee names. Like, Wilder Fury, great. Stick Adrian Broner's ass on the card, too. Yep. Like you have to and even though like again, Adrian Rona sucks, it is what it is, but he's a name. Like you have to put instead of having guys having their own shows, put a bunch of champions on one card and see how that shit works. But you can't give them fluff opponents. People want fights. The reason why the UFC works is because of the fight, not the fighter. They buy they really buy into the fights. And then the fighter. But if you if you continue to put like like Errol Spencer and Danny Garcia is a fucking phenomenal fight. Even though I think Arrow's going to beat his ass. But if you got a soft-ass undercard, or, better yet, I mean, I'm just saying, you could put Sean Porter on that undercard. Yeah. Um, Carl Frampton had probably the best idea. He was like, yo, me and Jamel Herring, we don't have to headline an ESPN card. Put us as the co-main on Wilder Fury 3. It's exactly. Because you know what it does? Bill's the next, the next star. Like... Oh yeah, Floyd did it with like with Javante. Like Zab Judah did it because he was on all of Mike Tyson's undercards. Zab was on everything. You have to do it with these fighters because you have to build their audience by giving them primetime slots against marquee names as co-main events. But if you keep allowing these, they're they're good, but they're not they're not draws. If you keep allowing them to headline their own cards, yeah, it might pop a little bit of a rating, like a tiny rating. But boxing ratings have been terrible overall. Mm-hmm. But if you but if you put them somewhere where they can become a star, and they have these performances when everybody's watching, because boxing is still the one sport that continues to be what time does the main event start? Whereas UFC is like, what time the prelims start? That's crazy. Even box, I mean, it helped tank just being on those last three Mayweather cards. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, nobody watches boxing for the undercards. We need to get no. back to that. Like, yo, UFC, like. As a fan, would you take away my journalism hat? As a fan, I'll watch the prelims because there might be some bangers on there. Oh, yeah. Boxing? Fuck no. I will not watch your untelevised prelims because they are bad. They are terrible mismatches and bad fights. I don't know. I've been seeing some good-ass knockouts. I mean, Shout out to you guys at the zone. Matchroom's been crushing see, it. That's what, Even with guys who are lesser known, yeah. they've matched them well where you get two thumpers against each other or... Yeah, there have been some mismatches, like uh, where um, the chick knocked out mom. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, it was a, name escaped. Yeah, I mean, Sinicia Estrada. But, yeah, that, that was a Estrada, that was a gross yeah, mismatch. thank you. 
Yeah, but uh, Estrada, you know, just molly her. But outside of that, there's been really good fights, really competitive fights, where you're like, yo, this is just really good up and down the card. Top Rank has done a few as well. Like, Top Rank has been more heavy-handed on showcasing the prospects they have. And they've done a, they've done a good job. But see, there's, there's two things, right? I'm not a promoter, not a matchmaker, but... As a, a fan, as well as a journalist, there's two things that I think boxing is, is missing. Is one, everybody needs a good squash, right? And I get matching up guys up tough. And I, I use Devin Haney as the perfect example. Devin Haney fought on the undercard of Logan Paul KSI Staples in a card that we at The Zone did. And he fought an opponent that when the fight was made, nobody really knew who he was. And then when we started doing research, we was like, oh, he's not going to go easy. And if he doesn't go easy, like, what are we doing? That was my complaint. Because if anybody needed a squash match at that particular time in front of that kind of an audience, it was Devin Haney. Instead, we gave him a tough and opponent. Andrade was on that card yeah. too, right? Andrade? Uh, no, Saunders yeah. was. Saunders, yeah. God, and he did, laid an egg. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, if this card, you know the demo is not hardcore boxing fans. They want to see people get knocked the fuck out. Give it to them. Yep. I'm not saying I'm not saying grotesque mismatches like the Estrada fight. I'm saying you give them guys that are like, yeah, he's probably a little bit chinny. That's kind of like the Amir Khan thing. He's like, oh yeah, he's good, but I can fucking knock him out. That's what you do. Yep. Instead, they gave him a tough opponent that didn't let him look good, and then not a lot of people walked away going, yeah, that Devin Haney. But if he would have nuked somebody in the round, it wouldn't matter who it was. People would have been talking about that. The thing about the Sinisi Estrada fight was even though she was fighting like a 40-year-old mom and it was a gross mismatch and it shouldn't have happened, it was the most talked about thing that night. Did crazy numbers for us at ESPN. It was just, it was, like, people in box were like, this is awful. But the casual fan was like, yo, I want to see her fight again. Yep. You got to find a balance between that. And boxing is not doing a good job of that. No, it's, uh, it's weird. I mean, not to harp on it for too much longer, but when you look at it i really i don't want to say blame it on but a lot of these young fighters want title shots really quick give them to them so you look at deal fimo 13 fights right that's wild when you're 21 but then devin haney title fight 21 um tank what it was 23 for his title fight shakur first major title 20. these guys want it quick it doesn't allow them time to be fed these highlight real knockouts anymore. No, but if they want title fights, give them to them. Like, I think we also, and we can move on, we also have to get out of the let's keep them undefeated for like 60 fights phase. No. We can find a happy medium. Yeah, we, 12 and in a title shot, that's a little too quick. Let them beat up on some It depends, people. man. Give me a real. If, if a guy has an incredible amateur pedigree, right, and he's just beating the shit out of people. Like Deontay Wilder kind of needed it. Like Deontay was just raw power and nothing else when he first burst on the scene. Even though he was in the Olympics, the dude was just power. He kind of refined some of his skills along the way. But certain guys, you look at them, and you're like, well, what am I going to do for the next like three years? Just keep feeding them cans? It doesn't make any sense. Instead, if the dude really wants a title shot, hey, shit, you asked for it. Because what it will do, it will, it will take the power out of being undefeated. Young fighters will start having, like Lomachenko has a loss. Yeah. And still regarded it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yep. But you give him that opportunity to lose and get better and come back, and it fixes this whole psyche of like, oh, he's undefeated in 32 fights. Nobody cares. It doesn't matter. 
UFC got rid of that shit long ago. Randy Couture was like three above 500. He barely would have made the playoffs <laughs> in most leagues. But he fought everybody. And it's like, you should do that. Boxers should fight. If you feel like you're that good and you spar, like, let's not act like these boxers don't spar with world class fighters. If you yep. think you can do it, if you're Ryan Garcia and they're like, ah, give him a few more fights. If Ryan's that insistent, fuck it. Give him a shot. If he gets washed. In which Eddie Hearn said he should not be fighting um, this come next on, fight. Saw, which come I, on. L- listen, I love Eddie. Eddie. Me and Eddie are cool. But Luke Campbell, come on. He's defending yeah, he's his fighter. He's defending yeah, his fighter. <laughs> but, like, I don't think it's that big of a jump, but it is a jump for It's Ryan. a jump, but no. Eddie's wild for that. I mean, he's got to protect his fighter. But that's the fight that Ryan should have. The Linares is, like, that's a fight that Ryan Garcia should have immediately. He just got rid of Fonseca and Duno in a round apiece. Step up. There's no reason to fight bums. Let's let's cut that shit out. If he loses, hey, he just comes back and has another fight. It is what it is. No, I agree. Sometimes, you know, it's it's time to hop up. I do love the highlight reel knockouts, but, yeah, if they want to test it early, let the kids test their skills. Um, this weekend in boxing, kind of light. Jamel Herring, third time's the charm. He's passing his COVID test so far, fingers crossed. Uh, and he's defending his title. I mean, it's kind of given that he's going to beat Oquendo in this fight and then to go on against Frampton. Trap fights are a little Dog, weird, this is though. a trap fight. During the pandemic. It, it's one of those, like, ah, all right. We, we saw it with Ramirez last weekend. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, this guy is kind of good. Like, are you, you're taking this fight, and it's not easy during a time when training is not necessarily normal. It's tough. Dude, it's very tough. And, again... That's why you can't protect fighters. I, I talk about Jamal Herring a lot. And I think he's really good. I think he's good. But man, this a Kendo fight ain't this ain't easy. No, it's not a cakewalk. I mean, Jamel doesn't make anything look like a cakewalk. No, he likes it. I, I don't know if it's him or what, but you know. <laughs> he's always in a dog fight. Yeah. There's no easy one for him. So this is it's going to be a good fight. Um good prospects on the undercard. So don't expect a long night. You're there for a good night, not a long night. But this main event, yeah, it should be a good back and forth fight. I'll have Herring keeping it. But then you look last week, Frampton or two weeks ago, Frampton didn't look the greatest either. No. So their title fight, if Jamel gets through this, is gonna be very evenly matched. So that's gonna be fun to watch. On PBC, we have uh Ugas stepping into the ring. I like Ugas a lot. I don't know who he fights though. Like, technically, I think he should win this and get Keith Thurman. But I don't know if Keith Thurman's humbling himself to that level. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, Thurman seems to have these illusions of grandeur that he still should only be fighting for titles. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he should. I mean, Thurman's a top guy, but the Ugas fight is a tough fight. Yeah, I mean, and him and Sean are ready for so you can't do that again. Yeah. So he's in like a, a rough patch where I don't see Danny Garcia, no matter what happens with Spence fighting him. I don't see Spence fighting him. He's just like a guy on the brink. What, he has to take Boots Enos? Yeah, Boots is coming. So it is what it is. Yeah, Boots has got to fight for September 19th. No one wants to fight Boots. So that's tough too. It, 
It's rough, man. He's he's in a hot spot. I expect him to win this week. Uh, and MMA, UFC, they have a strange card, which I believe someone was just knocked off of that card. Uh, Rosa might have been off of that card. Hopefully that didn't come through my ESPN email and it's supposed to be held. But nonetheless, we'll figure this out. So <laughs> it's a very short card. Anyway, we'll talk about the co-main and the main OSP. In the co-main event versus Menafield, give me OSP by some weird ass choke. Yeah, some Von Flu shit. I mean, that's just what he does. Either he loses in spectacular fashion, or he chokes someone out. I'm okay with that for a career. So I I like that OSP taking a win there, and then Reem versus Sakai. Taking Reem. Taking Reem yep. really. You believe in the ream. Um, give me Sakai, just to be contrarian. Because I like ream, but the king of being chinny is Alistair Over. True indeed. True indeed. But I'm going to pick ream because he usually wins these kind of fights. He does, and he's been really good lately. Um, Sakai is coming off of, what, two losses? Yeah. Three losses. So that is a pretty shitty bet by me. <laughs> but, yeah, the Reem, it's like, all right, cool, I'll take Reem on this. So that's the UFC in a nutshell. That didn't take long at all. Uh, hopefully everyone had a great time on this show, Hip Hop Out. It is great. This weekend we're going to come back Sunday reviewing pro wrestling. John Moxley and AEW have center stage this Saturday. So we'll review that, talk about WWE as well this Sunday and whatever else hops in to the Twitter world and social media, whatever's popping there. Shout out to our sponsors. Shout out to Blue Wire, the network, always having our back. Make sure you guys follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter. On Instagram, Corner Club for Life. Me at Kel Dansby. Him at Andreas Hell. Until next week, we're out. Peace. Did somebody say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for the gold. And our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough, and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, 
Access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.